hit him in the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Thank you for journeying down the stairs of the spoiler room and joining us tonight as we continue to look at films uh, with people who do things, crazy things with their mind. And tonight uh, we've got a classic director uh, directing a film that I am surprised I had not seen up until last night. It's Dario Argento's uh, Phenomena. And tonight we have with us, he is back with us, Mr. Astro Radio Z himself. It is the one, the only, Mr. Derek Carey. Hello, Derek. How are you? Hi, Mark. So glad. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make it any more awkward? Wow. Hey, Mark. <laughs> it got very awkward in here. <laughs> Okay. Let's try this. Take three. Seems like we're doing multiple takes here tonight, Mark. <laughs> we're multiple. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. Glad you could be here uh, for Dario Argento, you being the Italian horror fan. So glad you could join us uh, this fine evening. Uh, next to Mr. Derek Carey is the diva of the spoiler room. She's back with us once more. It is the lovely Dawn. Hello, Dawn. How are you? Well, um i'm okay how are you i'm good this is this is such an awkward opening now huh? <laughs> like, very labored is, <laughs> both my guests sound so enthused to be here tonight <laughs> no folks i did not hold them against their will to come on the show and come down to the spoiler room as we talk of this interesting film and mr Derek carey since it's been a while since you've been here how about you give the synopsi for uh this fine film in the Swiss Alps, there is a string of murders happening. There is a mass killer going around killing young girls at a boarding school. Unfortunately for Jennifer Connelly, the daughter, at least in this movie, the daughter of a very famous film actor, she goes to this boarding school and is in, caught in the midst of all this murder and chaos. But... Little do the people know that they that they what they have on their hands with Jennifer Connelly, she has mind powers that allow her to commune with bugs and insects. They are her friends, and she befriends the only person that's willing to help her out through all of this nightmare, Donald Pleasance, who is crippled and wheelchair bound with a monkey assistant. And he is trying to help not only Jennifer Connelly, but the police through the use of bugs to figure out who this diabol diabolical killer is. Well said. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because as you're reading it, you're, you're telling us this. It just <laughs> as the concept really starts to sink in when someone else describes the film. Um, 
This is a very interesting film with a unique concept with a very young Jennifer Connelly. This was only her second feature film. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> Derek, uh, you said you enjoy this film quite a bit. When did you first see this movie? Why, why was there a question uptake on, on the way that you said that <laughs> to me, Mark? Uh, not at all. Not at all. No, <laughs> you said you like this? You like this? <laughs> okay. Phenomena is... is a strange movie, not only in the fact that it is a very strange movie, but in uh, the catalog of Dario Argento, who traditionally um, foregoes logic and wants to delve more into stylistic choices uh, and pure cinema beyond whatever traditional plot uh, most people want to sit and go for in film. And uh, Phenomena is no different. Uh it's funny that you brought me back to be on this episode in particular, because I believe the last episode I may have been on was when you had me talk about the original Suspiria. Yes. Last year. Thank and you. Phenomena and Suspiria have a lot of similarities. Uh, not only is it a film that's very female centric. Uh, most of the cast is female. It also concerns our lead protagonist is somebody that is an American going to a foreign land to be in a boarding school. Like uh, Susie Banyan in Suspiria, who uh, leaves America to go to a German dance academy. Jennifer Connelly, who plays the character Jennifer here in her first <laughs> Her first acting role, surprisingly enough, they give her her own name so yeah. she can know who she is in this film. Um, she she goes to this boarding academy and she's totally treated like the other in this movie. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a masked mysterious killer that's offing these, these young girls. Now, if you remember Suspiria, uh, not to go on a huge tangent here, but... Um, in relation between these two movies, Suspiria um, originally was meant to be acted by young girls. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be uh, like preteens and teenagers in this film, kind of like an Alice in Wonderland uh, kind of movie. But because of the gratuitous violence in there, the producers got scared and decided not to go with it. 1985. What, what is it? Uh, was it seven years later mm -hmm. when this was made? He gets his wish. He gets <laughs> a movie where young girls get, get decapitated and stabbed <laughs> and all sorts of crazy shit. So the parallels between Phenomena and Suspiria are very odd. And it makes me wonder if he finally got his wish that he got to sit and make this movie where he gets to kill all these real young girls. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even got to the point where there's, there's uh rotting pits of maggots and uh, a monkey with a razor blade and, and uh, Jennifer Connelly and uh, CG uh, insects and all sorts of other fucking nonsense. This movie um, in Dario Argento's catalog is it marks a, a point where right after this, he would make opera mm -hmm. and then proverbially jump straight off the cliff. It's like 
it is really the point in his career where a lot of people would point to and say, this is where he started being shitty. Uh -huh. So this, this movie is nuts. It, it showcases sequences where you can tell he's still a master of his craft. And then other sequences where you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? What is this? It's an odd duck. I can't wait. I personally have always loved this movie. Um, this watch, hmm. I don't know if this is aging all that particularly well mm -hmm. um, compared to how it was. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say because as as the Dario Argento apologist in the room, I'm of course gonna tell you I love <laughs> so I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Done. The only movie of from Dario Argento that I really not like liked was his Phantom of the Opera Dawn with Julian Sands. It was so bad. Um, it was awful. Like I, I've tried like four times to to watch it, and I've never made it all the way through, and that's saying a lot. Um, I actually I enjoy this movie. I thought it was a little. The pacing was a little slow. Some of the scenes lulled for me, but I I agree he definitely loved that child peril and he definitely pushed to get it in here i actually was uh watching for and entertained by the fact that in this film dario nickel dario nicolotti's um death was fairly tame compared to other death scenes he's written for her mm. <laughs> which is another tie to suspiria as she was the co-writer uh, for Suspiria, this was this would mark almost the last time they would work together. They were getting a divorce mm -hmm. during the, the course of this movie. Um, yeah, but I I enjoyed this movie. I liked. I actually uh, watched the version on Amazon for this because my VHS copy is um, Creepers. So I wanted to see what the difference was between the two. And apparently the difference is random bits of Italian. <laughs> Actually, I read up on that. Um, that Cause that's the version I watched. And the reason it was random bits of Italian is that was what they were able to salvage mm -hmm. when they were restoring it. Which... Yep. It's the unrated cut. They did the same thing. If you go back and you watch um, after anchor Bay got a hold of most of Argento's catalog, they went back and restored uh, the original uncut italian versions of these films and if you go see deep red mm -hmm. it's the same way if you watch it in any way now as opposed to the deep red hatchet murders which is the u.s version of this when it, of deep red when it came out here same with creepers when they finally put the unrated cuts together um they obviously didn't dub that stuff which right. the vast majority of argento's catalog if you've watched any of it you realize that there was a certain period of time and uh, Italian cinema where they they claim they didn't shoot sync sound. Now that's been kind of dispelled by mm -hmm. a lot of the people behind the scenes with this. Some of the films, sure, but not all of the films were there was no sync sound whatsoever. They just overdubbed everything for the foreign market. <laughs> so that's why if a lot of this feels so awkward and stilted, like the acting and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's also uh, to speak to what you're you're talking about here, Don, is that, yeah, those were the sections where they were in Italian, where the unrated cut was in Italian. So that's all they had left. 
in order to they didn't overdub these and obviously what it was like maybe 15 years later when they finally got the unrated cut those actors were far moved on not that they couldn't just overdub anybody nobody would have noticed <laughs> but yeah that's the reason why oh man i thought it was a stylistic thing at first nope it's purely <laughs> be it's purely because it's the unrated stuff it's the stuff that they cut out for creepers right and and, and you know most people most fans of the genre would be okay it's it would would accept it as a style thing though i mean we like the films we un we know what we're getting when we pick them up mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, I i at first i thought that was kind of oh okay so he's kicking in an italian here kind of adding you know the mix you know because she is in a foreign land and and then it happened again and i'm like wait a minute uh, because it, it blended they they edited it well i mean yeah. it it you don't notice any cut or change in quality or anything but it's just suddenly they kick into italian and you're just like okay you know after the like third time it happened i had to check my audio settings to make sure i didn't go into some alternate audio track by mistake um, well if you want to i have um and you can they always, if you have any Arrow releases, you know how high quality their Blu-rays are that they yeah. put out. And you have the option to watch it in Italian. So oh, there is okay. none of that jumping. So, so you, you don't can watch the entire thing in Italian mm -hmm. if you want. Right. Well, that, that'd be interesting. But, I mean, it didn't distract me too much. It just was, like, said, like Dawn said, I, with the genre, you kind of expect stylistic things especially when you're talking argento so i thought at first that was just you know his his thing that he was doing but uh yeah that caught me off guard too but you like this one don you said i did i mm -hmm. i did i thought it was very charming mm -hmm. i thought it was very unique mm -hmm. it is definitely um, unique yeah i mean i'm the feeling i got because this was the first time i watched it and i'm like how have I not watched this movie before? We've got an ape with a freaking straight razor. We got a girl who can talk to the bugs and we got Donald Pleasance in here who could easily have been the doctor from Halloween retired. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so Donald Pleasance, um, until he actually explained that he was an entomology, entomology teacher, I thought that he was, I, I was of the impression that he was some sort of forensic anthropologist working mm -hmm. with the Swiss police on those murders. Well, that's the impression first I got until he said he was a professor because I, I was the same way. I'm like, oh, okay, he's a, you know, what you're saying, a CIS type guy. All right, this uh -huh. is cool. Especially with the, word, the way the narration and stuff goes, you're like, you know, the way it voiced over, I'm like, oh, okay, kind of a crime drama element in here. No, he's a professor. I'm like, he just helps out. I'm like, okay. Um. Which is a rather interesting angle because what professor would ever be allowed to take the decapitated head <laughs> of a victim and allow it to just rot to prove how long it had been dead right i know uh -huh. he, he just <laughs> he just revealed that the cops are sitting there to talking about the death which we witnessed at the beginning of the film which was totally argento i mean you watch that opening with the tracking the moving of the camera which couldn't be easy because this was still shot in film mm -hmm. so some of those shots but you watch that and then yeah he's got this rotting head in his office and you're just like what with the maggots 
and you're like, they got some liberties here with evidence and and who they just give this out to. I guess I don't know. You know, yeah. like, An- another interesting thing, Mark, about the the intro that you just talked about. The girl that's stranded in the Swiss Alps after the bus uh, leaves without her, yeah. and get the first victim is Dario Argento's daughter Fiore from his first marriage. What is it with him and his daughters? And uh, his wife. And his wife. <laughs> oh wow, that uh, yeah, from his first wife. I don't know. It changes he, things, doesn't that, it? That that suddenly puts that opening <laughs> in a whole other perspective. Although it was shot fantastic. I love the shot. And the fact he's still doing this on cameras now it's 85. So cameras are smaller, but still what he is able to do with those tracking shots. And that is pretty impressive though. I loved the random window. Oh, where she, she, <laughs> yeah. she gets stabbed. And then for some reason shatters the glass window behind her. Yeah, because she's on this nature path that's by this waterfall. I'm like, okay, I get it. Observation. Beautiful waterfall. Beautiful scenery, as you would expect. And she's being chased. And she gets in the corner that that the scissors flies apparently out of nowhere and stabs her hand. And then all of a sudden, her head goes through a window. And I'm like, where the hell did the window come from? And why is it there? And how did she smash into it? I had so many questions. And then and then <laughs> her head went flying off into the river. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was I'm like, so this is the type of film we're in for. All right. And then you get that weird, I mean, Jennifer Connolly, you know, I'm glad that it was in in a foreign land or whatnot. And you get Jennifer Connolly uh, performing uh in here as the main main character, but they're driving up to the girls' academy, and suddenly, out of nowhere, you get this voiceover, like <laughs> another yeah, tie to Suspiria. Again, if you remember the orig- the the beginning of Suspiria, after you get that crazy goblin score mm-hmm. over the the um the title sequence, mm-hmm. before we open. The film, there's that same narration. So it's just like there's so many parallels between these two movies. And they're just odd stylistic choices between the two of them. Like there is no narration. You're right before that point. And then all of a sudden we have this very stilted narration (laughs) as she pulls up. It's like it was like a science movie like I used to see in high school where you'd get the guy narrating and the frog had can sometimes change sexes in low, you know, and he had that type of voice. So, Don, you were I was not the only one thrown off by that. Yeah, I thought that was odd. And and yeah. (laughs) Is this him trying to remake Suspiria as a more commercial product for the U.S.? I have no idea. But when you sit and watch it in context with Suspiria, there are so many similarities. There are so many sim- similarities. There's no witches, and the only really supernatural element to this movie is the whole psychic bug tie. Yeah. So there's no real, you know, paranormal things going on in this movie. Every the the murderers, the reveal of who the killer is, and the the last act of this movie, yes, that gets really crazy and weird. But there's the only supernatural thing, which is the main, uh, you know, theme of Suspiria, is nowhere to be found in in phenomena. It's just interesting the ties between the two of them. 
Go ahead, Don. You were going to say something? Well, I'm, I'm, there's no ties to witchcraft or the myth, the myth, mythical in that way, but they do touch a lot on mental illness and mental mm -hmm. disability. Mm -hmm. They, they really delve into that. And, and that's what boggled me. I mean, immediately it's like, I'm like, what kind of fucking school is she going to? I'm like, I don't know any girl's school that has an MRI or EEG machine freaking on site. And, oh, we think she's crazy. So we're just going to strap her in and, and do some studies on her. I'm like, what the well, hell? And, and who the heck does a brain scan for somebody who sleepwalks? Right. <laughs> that was odd. Well, they're treating it as if it's a disorder, and I think it's a running theme throughout phenomena is they people really in various do. mental mm -hmm. states of anguish, as you had you know said before. That seems to be a, the big running theme is people in various states of anguish and how the, those around them treat those states, those mental states, because they treat Jennifer Conley as if something's really wrong with her as if she's an other as opposed to this is a spoiler room so let's get down to brass tacks the main killer of this movie who obviously is completely fucked in the head we find the last act of this movie holy shit is that woman screwed up yeah no kidding <laughs> wow <laughs> she she is very screwed up but you know it I like the I actually like the Jennifer Conley character in here though because we do get a, yet another Suspiria parallel in the form of the girls bullying the outsider. I'm like this seems really familiar. <laughs> um which really makes you wonder, you know, these the poor poor girls in these schools were they ever that vicious? Uh, are they really that vicious all the time to people? Um, but Dawn, you know, are, are women catty towards each other? Is, is that a real question? Or <laughs> um, because I'm, I'm sorry in the eighties, people didn't, teachers really did not give a crap how much kids were bullied. Sure. They didn't. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because you get that scene when, uh, she comes back and they read her letter about, how she's confessing to her dad she can talk to the animal well the bugs and she's only got a doctor to confide in and they're just in her room and they just go through her shit and then they start bullying her and then the headmistress like lets this go on for a while and then she's like oh no no kids stop bullying the girl stop it's like come on and then she gets all fire starter on him but with bugs instead of fire that was pretty awesome <laughs> and then another parallel to Suspiria, she faints in the middle of the floor, surrounded by everyone in a wide master <laughs> shot, just like Susie Banyan did after she got the prism light shot in her eye by the the cook and yeah. the, the little lad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he really took his notes from Suspiria and kind of just revised them, it feels like. But no, it was an awesome shot with where with her hair flying up and that. And I'm like, oh, they they're kind of Dawn and I got a chance to talk about Firestarter. And I'm like, okay, this feels a little familiar. Um <laughs> that is a definitely a trope that is used to signify psychic power. 
yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like the same as ghosts ghosts are freaking loud in movies because you get a hum or some sort you're like what the fuck you know and here it's hair flying up or it's iron maiden all of a sudden being played at full (laughs) volume while donald pleasance is being taken out of it no as motorhead Motorhead. after donald pleasance gets offed unceremoniously toward the end of this movie all of a sudden motorhead starts blasting as they're carrying him out of the house you you found that funny don oh yeah (laughs) i i'm watching this and and sheldon walks in he's like is that iron maiden most inopportune times it's like claudio simonetti who is the keyboardist for goblin and it did most of dara argento's soundtracks puts together this wonderful score for this movie oh yeah the the points where his music is playing it's it fits so well and then all of a sudden because this was at the same time that they made uh demons Mm -hmm. which mostly has you know a fully western hard rock heavy metal score to it that somehow leaks over to this one where all of a sudden uh the flash of a blade by by iron maiden just starts out of nowhere on a scene that doesn't even contextually make sense for it to be in are you talking about the scene when she's walking into the garden and finds the glove yes wow that didn't make sense <laughs> I was watching this with, with my lady friend, and she was like, "What the heck is Iron Maiden playing for?" <laughs> it just that's that you know I love Iron Maiden as much as the next person, but holy shit, that scene where Donald Pleasance gets killed and the and the paramedics are carrying him on the stretcher out to the ambulance and Motorhead is playing. Is got to be one of the most inappropriate times for Motorhead to ever be played, ever. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, you mentioned he gets unceremoniously off. I mean, here we've got a main character who, in Jennifer's life, you know, in her uh, European life that she's been here, this one and only ally, and he just kind of gets poked. And then, yeah, Motorhead. And, you're like, and then the monkey climbs on him and pokes <laughs> the hole and takes the blood. And then Motorhead. Motorhead. So so the monkey. Yes. Was that supposed to be like his service animal? Like his, yes. That's what I thought. I mean, and here's my, here's my next thought. How much influence do you think that had on the movie Monkey Shines? <laughs> it's inter- that's an interesting that's question interesting because question. Argento and, and Romero worked a lot together during this period. Mm-hmm. Two Evil Eyes, obviously Dawn of the Dead. Um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of back and forth between the two. Um, so that's a that's an interesting question. You, and you, and especially because um in, in the little trivia stuff, uh uh, there was the note that Jennifer Connelly got bit during the filming of this because mm-hmm. the the monkey got all pissed off. So here you've got this monkey as a service animal that's nice and a little bit psychotic because it likes playing with uh, straight razors and knives. Um, and and then it gets all pissed off and and bites the lady friend of the guy uh, he's supposed to be helping. Wow. Shh. Just reading the synopsis for Monkey Shines, it's been a while since I read it, but just reading it, it literally is Donald Pleasant's character. Mm-hmm. 
it, <laughs> athlete Allen becomes quadriplegic after a horrific accident. His friend Jeffrey, who is conducting experiments with monkeys, offers Allen a well-trained monkey named Ella to help keep him company and raise his spirits. Oh my god! <laughs> Literally, have you, have you seen Monkey Shines, Mark? It's been a while. I, yeah, I've it, seen that's it. a yeah. good movie. Oh, I, yeah. I know a lot of people dog on it because a lot of people like the dog, kind of that middle era, um, George mm -hmm. Romero. But I've always liked that movie. I like it too, which is why I brought it up. I'm glad you did because now suddenly my brain's just like, holy crap! <laughs> he he totally did a whole movie on the Professor John McGregor Donald Pleasant's character. He, so he now did... we have to do a fan edit where we mash phenomena and monkey shines together. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that that could almost work. <laughs> I, I got to talk to my bud Eric about that because he made me a while back. We were at a party. And he's just like, I got this idea. I know, Derek, sometimes you do these fan edits, these mashups. I got one. I want you to edit together uh, Robocop and Leviathan because of Peter Weller. Oh, and shit. I want Robocop's nice. backstory to be Leviathan. So we, I cut it together. It's called Leviacop. <laughs> Wow. And it's hilarious. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's so fitting. <laughs> and now, so, now what would we call what is the mashup for monkey shines and phenomena? Uh, monkey uh, phenomena? Monkey phenomena. <laughs> phenomena shines. <laughs> phenomena shines. <laughs> phenomena. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's gotta uh, be the song. It's gotta be the that's gotta be the intro to the song. <laughs> wow, that's that just suddenly another tie wow argento really was getting close to just jumping off the rails then <laughs> yeah don you're gonna say well i know i was thinking yeah because because it seems like he was pulling in and playing with past projects to try to do what he wanted to do but then also creating a springboard for future projects i don't know yeah except well, for uh, future projects for other people and not him i mean well, this is such a weird film because what preceded this movie immediately like he came off of tenebrae mm -hmm. which is a fairly traditional uh jolly slasher right a pretty mean-spirited one with uh, uh john saxon and then after this he did opera right which is a straight up Valley. Mm -hmm. so this movie is kind of like in the middle of uh the more paranormal or um like like the stuff that was more supernatural that he did with like inferno and suspiria mm -hmm. and then his the jolly that you know he's known for like deep red and the bird with the crystal plumage and tenebrae and stuff like that it's such a strange mashup well, what caught me off guard with this was I was looking, I mean, the camera work was kind of traditional Argento, but I was looking for some of those other kind of telltale, like, now I'm not, I'm not a consumer nor expert on Italian horror, like you find folks, but still looking for kind of those signature of, you know, the use of color everywhere. And, and, you know, I mean, we do get the, the close up of the weapon being, uh, connected every time, you know, which was kind of the glove holding the shiny knife type of thing every time he put the, the spear together. But there wasn't really the a lot of use of color in this. It, it felt fairly 
almost kind of flat in color um, in a lot of ways versus some other Italian horror I've watched. And also, just stylistically, some of it was there that you expect, but there were other elements lacking. And I don't know if maybe that was a choice because he was trying to market it more towards a U.S. audience, maybe? I don't know. Am I off on that? Or or is this kind of lacking some of those elements that he became famous for uh, er, in his earlier pictures? Um, If... You, I, I know Argento traditionally gets labeled as the dude that, you know, use because now every time you see hard primary colors in films, it's immediately labeled Argento. Argento, right. And that really only took place in a couple of his movies in Suspiria mm-hmm. and Inferno. Oh, the rest okay. of his movies are fairly straightforward murder mysteries because mm-hmm. he was such a huge fan of Hitchcock. And so the rest of his films play more like traditional films that do have dynamic camera work, but they don't necessarily have that crazy use of color all the time. Mm. Some of them do. There are sequences of opera or sequences of some of the like deep red. There are certain sequences in there, but for the most part, um, the, the crazy uses of, uh, of lighting color um, from Suspiria um it's not really the the trademark or the hallmark of Argento. It's more the camera stuff. Because, I mean, if we mm-hmm. remember correctly, um, he got that from Mario Bava. Right. And some of Mar- Bava's stuff from, like, Blood and Black Lace and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is more traditional Argento jolly in, a, in just a stylistic standpoint other than obviously you know the flashback sequences where all of a sudden when she's sleepwalking there's corridors very (laughs) angular corridors that are speeding past you and and sometimes she's walking through places where there's bright blue lights and green lights Mm -hmm. there's some of that in this but you're right it's it's much more in line with some of his other more traditional stuff because i mean if you watch tenebrae Mm -hmm. there's nothing in that movie that looks like Suspiria in any way. It's far more of a traditional jolly. Well, that's probably where I'm getting that from, but I'm glad you mentioned Hitchcock because I was watching this. And again, I don't watch a lot of Argento, but I was truly getting the Hitchcock vibe. And Don, you did the eight weeks of Hitchcock with us. Can you see the Hitchcock influence in phenomena? Um, yeah, especially with some of those camera angles and um, <clears throat> sets. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, that second, uh, especially in that second sleepwalking scene, right, is is where I really noticed it when she was um, not so much when she was outside and Motorhead was or, uh, uh, Iron, <laughs> Iron Maiden was playing, but when she got in inside and all the lights went on and the lightning was flashing, mm-hmm. that particular scene struck me as very Hitchcock. Right. Well, and that was relatively early on. So, and we also, even in the beginning, the car ride scene felt a little bit the way it was directed, the dialogue, you know, the back and forth in that, the the way it was handled felt a little bit like, like it's Hitchcock's influence. So I'm glad Derek brought it up because I I was getting that feeling after we did eight weeks of Hitchcock. I I actually kind of noticed, you know, where his influence is elsewhere, and it's really 
peppered throughout this film um, out between the knife-wielding monkey and the mutant midget. Uh, <laughs> you should definitely go back if you, you like that angle of uh, Argento, which is not really a thing in the two movies that I kind of talked about that were the more supernatural ones, Inferno and Suspiria. If you go back to the Animal Trilogy, which is uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, uh, Cat of Nine Tails, and Four Flies on Gray Velvet, those are very much molded after kind of the murder mysteries of Hitchcock. Oh, you can okay. see a lot of that through those movies. I'll have to, I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Cause I, I was catching up these elements that he had in here and, you know, also from this director, the type of horror it was uh, granted, we get kind of more of it in this. We, we get a lot of it in the third act, but up until then, we don't get a huge amount of the telltale blood that we normally get. I mean, we still get, you know, a, a couple of brutal murders, but still overall it was the lack of, of blood on screen, at least for, for a long period of time. We don't have that in here either. It's, it's more of a quick cut type of thing, though. I do love the shot of the, the uh, spear going through the head when she was, <laughs> when she was sleepwalking yeah. along the edge. Did you like that scene? Don? It it was it was a nice startling scene with lots of blood, <laughs> <laughs> and it was shot well too. Though I mean, it, it's like you're like, wait, did they really stab her? What? <laughs> it's like because the way they edit that, it, it it the special effects really were effective in that. Um, though you do get the weird thing that first time she sleepwalks and she witnesses the death, and then she wakes up and she's in a town and the two german guys pick her up <laughs> don what the heck was going on with that because i'm like i don't are... know i couldn't figure out if they were taking to her, her to the hospital or if they were taking her for something nefarious i really couldn't figure that out i i couldn't either i was like wait are they are they trying to the help her or are we getting into a a hostile version here suddenly is she being taken out of the What's going on? <laughs> I I was confused. Uh, Derek, uh, were they trying to? Uh, is it a little unclear what their intentions are? I think at first it's really unclear, but at the point where she jumps out of the vehicle and rolls down the hill, and they're looking for, her and they're just like, "Let's get out of here." It's quite <laughs> clear that they had something else in mind. Because <laughs> why would you both, <laughs> if you were concerned for this girl, you would go help her? But if That's you were true. thinking you were going to get it in and you were going to do something pretty nasty to this girl, yeah, you probably would leave <laughs> at that point. That, that's well put. I hadn't thought of that. It's uh, such it, a weird it, scene. It, in, it in is. a movie full of weird scenes. And and the only <clears throat> real purpose it seems to have served was to introduce her to the monkey. Yep. Yeah, it was just to get her from point A to point B. It was, yes. it was, it was, I, cause I thought for a minute, okay, are we going to go into a little bit of a trauma thing? And then she's going to, you know, like call all the scorpions to come stab these guys or what? Cause I kind of wanted to see that. But uh, no, she rolls down a hill and, oh, look, hey, there's a monkey right there. A monkey in the woods just cause he's hanging out, you know. It's a nice God, again, another complete stylistic change in the film. <laughs> Like this movie constantly. If there's one gripe I would have about Phenomena, but it's all it's also a strength of this movie as well, is that there tonally it is all over the place. 
the the thing that I took away from watching it this time was that um, the editing isn't particularly strong in this film. Mm -hmm. It's kind of herky jerky, and and because of the editing and the dub, this movie is just feels so stilted for the first half of it. Because you can't quite get a grasp on where the fuck this movie is going. Because sometimes it's kind of campy and comedic. Other times it's supposed to be very dreamy and kind of operatic. Other times it's supposed to be a, a fairly hardcore horror, like slasher kind of movie. You never quite get a handle on what this movie is until that last act. I think for me, the only thing that really worked in this whole movie is the, the the last act once Jennifer Connelly she she goes she's sick of all everybody at the boarding school making fun of her and she doesn't she keeps having premonitions of these this killer and you know she's sleepwalking and everyone's making fun of her so she tries to go and get a hold of her dad say hey get me out of here right now you're rich you can I don't have any money I can't afford a, a ticket get me the hell out of her and then the killer reveals herself and takes her to this house where one, Jennifer Kiley should have ran for the hills when every single mirror in the place is covered up. And two, when the when Daria Nicolodi hits a button and steel trap doors come down on the windows, I'm like, oh shit, I'm fucked now. That at that point in the movie, all of a sudden the movie focuses, and it's it's basically a horror movie from that point out. But before that, I don't know what you guys thought, like. Watching this, I've seen this a number of times, and I've always really liked it, but that first juggling act of like setting up what this movie is just doesn't really work all that well. Would it's kind you, of just a mess. Would you agree with that, Don? <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely plays at some cycle, um, uh, supernatural fantasy at, mm -hmm. before that point. Dark fantasy, true, but yeah, and yeah. Well, in all honesty, I thought maybe they were going to go the angle of all of this shit that was happening was stuff happening to her as she was getting whatever treated or whatnot for her quote unquote mental illness. <laughs> oh, so you didn't believe she actually could control the, the insects. You thought that that was just her actually having a mental illness? I for, for up until up until the killer revealed herself up until that point I thought maybe because what you were saying Derek it, it's kind of you know it, it's the way the editing is and studying the way things play out I thought for a minute just for a little bit that is this all in her head and she's actually either in the insane asylum or you know getting shock treatment or something <laughs> I don't know why that hit me, but it just it felt that way because of the way it was a bit disjointed and you weren't quite sure what they were getting at with a lot of this film because you're like, OK, I mean, Conley's character, in all honesty, though, still overall for the type of film this is in that I think her female character is actually fairly strong in this film. Dawn, what would you say about her character in this? Would you say that it was fairly strong? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, definitely. She's used to being, well, she she tells a story about how her mother left her when she was really young. So she's had to be very strong with her dad being such a absent so much right. on set. 
very eccentric character without a mm -hmm. doubt but strong definitely well and she's aware that she's strong i mean that she's eccentric i mean she's very aware of who she is and what she is though with you know very confident in herself which i liked uh, derek would you agree as well she's uh especially for kind of the type of film she's a very strong female character though oh yeah the character is extremely strong mm -hmm. is the performance extremely strong <laughs> I don't that know. That was not I the question I was asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah How you? So, Derek, you were kind of getting into. You, you don't think Jennifer puts in a strong performance as this character? <laughs> I I don't know if it's necessarily her fault. Right. I mean, we do have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because of the the dubbing renders mm -hmm. all emotion moot in any of these movies. Mm -hmm. um, but also. This is technically, I believe, her first film. She she was also in uh, Once Upon a Time in America, mm -hmm. but she only played a small role. I think I don't think she was. A, she's definitely a, a lead in this. She's this is the first lead she's had, and to uh, this type of film that carry for a, a basically her first lead is gotta be stressful and tough for. Her. Well, and also dealing with a completely foreign crew and director. And I, I have to say, and I love Dario Argento dearly, but I have a feeling <laughs> she probably didn't have the best direction to, to give a really nuanced performance, which this character, she ran the gambit emotionally through this yeah. movie. There yeah, were times she, where she was super earnest and serene, and there was other times she was supposed to be manic and crazed. And uh, the dreamwalk, <laughs> she she she's asked to do a lot as a young actress in this film. Yeah, it's a complicated role for someone just basically her first carrying a film on her shoulders. Don, would you agree? Maybe that's what you know. It, what might have been a little bit much for her for her first starring role, possibly. Yeah, because it, it seems like an awful lot uh, to ask of any young actor or actress, just a young performer in general. Usually they get a little bit earlier roles, but this is a complicated character in many ways of what she has to do and what she goes through. I'm like sitting here going, OK, I understand it's a budget and and the times that this film was made, but you have your star performer in the middle of a road with cars trying to avoid <laughs> you have her swimming in a lake surrounded by actual fire <laughs> did the, i i gotta ask you guys did that scene completely remind you of friday the 13th part six? Oh god yeah where tom matthews is out there with the rock and the chain and lights the the lake on fire and he's waiting for jason to pop up watching it this time all i could think of is friday 13 part six <laughs> yep it it had that definitely had that feel it felt like he may have borrowed a little bit from that um but i mean we mentioned this third act this third act is wild we get a cop in here who ends up getting tortured and chained in the basement we get the killer reveal uh, we get her getting poisoned, but at least it felt like it almost felt like he, everything was just so that he could get to this. Like he had this worked out first 
and then he was trying to figure out how to get here. <laughs> Mark, how how often have you seen in films where somebody gives somebody else poison that's been <laughs> packaged <laughs> like you could buy it at a store? I, I was kind of wondering about that. I'm like, it looked like she gave her Advil, but no, <laughs> apparently they package their poison in in Europe. I guess it's you know you you buy it off the shelf. I guess you know it's not the over the counter poison. <laughs> yeah, I could not figure out what kind of medication would cause that. Yeah, that's why I was watching it going. Did she just go to the pharmacist and say, "Hey, yeah, I want, I want about two boxes of poison. Can you give me some poison?" You know, the type you ingest in the stomach, it causes cramps, and then eventually, you know, uh, fainting and death. That's the kind that I want. Uh, well, fainting and death. I only got about three pills left of that. <laughs> um, I can sell you that. I'll give you a discount. Uh, otherwise, it's on back order. I got rat pellet poison. Oh, uh, you want some of that? <laughs> but they don't package it up like it's Advil. No, they don't. I I was trying to figure out. To, I mean, if she had handed her two pills, which I thought at first she did, I'm like, oh, okay, you know. But they were packaged, and I'm like, wow, that's efficient. Uh, what about the sequence that that right after that, where uh, Daria Nicolodi, you know, she puts up the steel doors and the windows and whatnot, and the cop shows up, yeah. and Jennifer Connelly for some reason thinks she's going to be able to get the phone with some cane. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that, Don? I mean, this whole sequence where she's trying to escape. I understand they're playing her as a young girl who's still strong character, but improvising. But the scene with the cane and the phone, what? None what of she... that. None of that made sense to me because why didn't she just unplug the phone from the wall? Number one. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently she didn't. She just moved the phone into the other room and locked the door. And then. You know, I could have seen how she could have possibly gotten the phone, but then she wasn't doing it right at all. <laughs> and, Why didn't and, she just jump over? Exactly. <laughs> Why didn't she just jump through and, and call from in there? She could fit through the, <clears throat> the window. She obviously could fit through that window, but she's wasting her time with a cane and trying to loop it. I was trying to think that too. I'm like, just crawl through the window. You're skinny at it. You can fit through there. Really? There's so much at the end of this movie that makes zero oh sense. Like and then after she drops the phone into the hole, she crawls into the hole and finds the phone. And then she starts trying to crawl back out. Yeah, why isn't she of calling using right? the phone? Exactly. <laughs> Just call the phone while you're in the tunnel. And then and then suddenly uh she gets pulled through by uh, just randomly, the the detective who's just all tore up, and she falls into the the vat of of despair, of uh, putrescence uh, and maggots. <laughs> and maggots. Okay, that's a thing I didn't understand about her character. That is the thing I absolutely didn't understand about her character. She can communicate with bugs. She likes bugs. They established that from bees to stink beetles, spiders. All the bugs in Donald Pleasant's office and the, you know, 
the flies, the maggots. But you couldn't deal with maggots. Yeah, I, 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 I could sure. not understand that. I mean, she was freaking out about the maggots in the glove, freaking out about the maggots. Um, so whatever, wherever she found them in the towel or wherever she found them. Right. Yeah, it was in the towel in the in, in the, the room. room. I mean, I can see her freaking out about the body parts, but I, I didn't understand the the maggots. <laughs> They 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 swear at her a lot every time she tries <laughs> to talk to the maggots. They insult her. They're just constantly screaming in pain. They're screaming. They're vulgar. You know, well, they, hey, in her defense, she did fall into a vat in a pit of liquefied human remains. And and that part I got, but it was the it was the other parts, like when she found the maggots in the in the glove. Yeah. And and those are the parts I didn't get. I totally get the the freaking out about falling into the vat of uh, <laughs> putrescence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she's trying to crawl out. Uh, you know where she's doing the film thing. Where why are you trying to crawl out right where the villain is standing? I, I you know, I understand you're panicked, but. Uh, yeah, and then she gets she she finally gets out of there. The detective who's just tore to shit i mean this guy got the just chunks ripped out of him and she goes ready to death where she runs across the uh, uh the basket case reject um that she finds the, the the short her son who apparently is the the true killer and then we get that whole boat sequence and then at the end you're trying to figure out how is this going to end because she swam her ass halfway across that lake, which I'm impressed with, only to have the killer show up again. But Conley's character doesn't off the killer. No, no. Dawn, who gets the last blow <laughs> on our killer? Oh, that was the that was the, the ape. Yes. The straight razor. Yes, the ape with the straight ra- the the monkey wins. Yes, because the monkey found the razor in, in, a, tra- in, in garbage. garbage. Yes, because the, the monkey after garbage. after Donald Pleasance gets killed, the monkey's on the loose by himself, trying to figure, trying to find the killer, and he stops in some park <laughs> and decides to rummage through the garbage for some food and finds a straight razor. Oh my God, that is the motivation of the monkey. I didn't even really realize it until you mentioned it. The monkey's searching for the killer. Oh my God. Yeah, the monkey was searching for the killer. I thought he was just kind of lost, but now that you mentioned it, he grabs the straight razor, which, man, that makes the garbages in Europe that much more scary. Someone just (laughs) tossed a straight razor in the trash. It's like, oh, evidence. I better get rid of it. And the monkey's like, oh, look, handy. <laughs> look what I found. And he gets the last cut in on, on our killer, which is the perfect bizarre ending to this entertaining but bizarre movie. And that's the thing is you get to the point where the monkey kills the killer and you're okay with that. <laughs> It makes sense at this point. I mean, the whole last sequence, the climax of this movie, Jennifer Connelly, you know, she's escaped 
the uh, the pit of despair and has made her way out, and she's she's off to the, the mutant boy by using the bugs to eat him alive in the the, the lake of fire. <laughs> she gets out, and then her father's handler shows up. And he's about, they're about to embrace. Oh and then Daria Nicolodi <laughs> offs his head with one clean swipe. Oh, yeah, with the metal. Of, of a sheet of metal. Of metal. <laughs> <laughs> the person I watched that with, she jumped about two feet in the air when that happened. Oh, yeah, that's my. right. I forgot that part happened before that. Yeah, because she's about to embrace. You think the good swelling music is going to come up. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, his head flies off. You're like, wait, what? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and his blood is shooting like like some Japanese uh, body, and then yeah, there are villainesses with just a piece of sheet metal, and she's slowly killing Jennifer with it. I'm like, you just took off this dude's head with like one swipe, and you're sitting here gloating over it. You deserve to be killed by a knife wielding monkey. We didn't even talk about the fact that she she almost got choked out by a guy. That didn't have one thumb. Yes. Yeah, oh that God. that's right. Because the 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 broken cop in there, he didn't, he wouldn't fight to or break his own thumb to escape for his own merit. No, he had to wait for Jennifer Connelly's character to get there before he was angry enough to break his own thumb. <laughs> How would he then... choke somebody out with no thumb? Very carefully. I don't know. You slap him with the broken end while you're ch choking him. I was wondering that because he had broken his helmet uh, to get his hands out of the cuffs. And then he's choking her. And I'm like, how's he choking? I'm like, God, that's got to hurt like a bitch trying to choke her with a broken thumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the ending of this film. I tell you, it's my first watch. And I'm just sitting there going, how have I not watched this film sooner? Because... It is so bizarre, but entertaining. You're like, why am I enjoying? I should really be enjoying this film probably just as much as I am, but it's just so out there and different that you just roll with it. Yeah, by this third act with the monkey in that and killing, you're just like, yeah, okay, I'm good. <laughs> Makes sense to me. The monkey had a straight razor. <laughs> Forgot about the straight razor monkey. I'm impressed he made it that far without getting arrested or something. But you're not gonna no. forget that ending. No, that you're... that's like Felicia Felissa Rose with the dick at the end of Sleepaway Camp. You're not gonna forget the monkey with the straight razor. No, you're not. And oh man, and then she the monkey goes to Jennifer Connelly, and I had read just before that I had read about her getting bit. And you get the scene with the monkey's got his ass to the camera. <laughs> it's like he's saying, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was why her figure got bit because they didn't want to hit the monkey or the ape ass to the camera. It's actually an ape, I think. Um, yeah, chimpanzee. But in any case, this film, yeah, it's a wild ride. It is different. It, it's definitely European. I mean, the, the approach in that. Uh, but I just, I, by the end of it, I was smiling, but I'm like, what exactly did I watch? <laughs> like, it's like a greatest hits of some eighties horror put into a film uh, in a way, you know, with some of the elements you have in here. I just wanted to see more bug action though. I was, I was disappointed 
there wasn't more like bug action though she did use it to get the mutant boy um uh, you know don how about you were you exp did you want some more bug action going on i did but honestly technology and special effects weren't developed enough to do a real good job of it at that point i mean the the effect that they used when the flies um against the moon you mean yeah against the moon <laughs> the effect that they used there with the coffee grounds poured in water yes. that was nifty that was really nifty um but the only way to have really great bug action would have been to have better uh, uh, gra um, special effects capabilities, yeah. and it just wasn't there mid-80s. But I, I think they just shot their bug budget on the one scene with all the flies outside the window. That is uh, yep, so, that scene is so impressive. That it is. is hugely impressive. The but they couldn't have done that with anything like, like Mark had mentioned earlier, like scorpions. Yeah, it had to be flies because flies are easy to find. Uh, <laughs> that's an impressive sequence with the flies all pressed against the window. I fully was expecting them to like crack the window or something, uh, but you don't get that. But still, that was kind of uh, skin crawling seeing that many flies mm -hmm. <laughs> against the window. And there's so many great visuals and craziness in this film. I You can't help but enjoy it uh, for what it is. I mean... You know, I'm not that verse, as I said, in some European horror, but this one for me, I'm just like, I could watch this again. You know, it got done, and I'm just like, yeah, I'd watch it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, because I want to see if I missed something. Oh, you did. <laughs> the monkey needed, needed better billing, I think. He needs a better agent to get better billing because, you know, he, <laughs> he has some key roles in this film, uh, which the presence of of the chimp in general just blew my mind <laughs> i'm like wait we have a chimpanzee in here <laughs> okay <laughs> they didn't know that was a thing so there you have it folks phenomena i think we'll uh, wrap it up with the night um we'll, we'll close it out here with just getting our uh our uh any questions or topics we might not have covered from our panel here so don will go first was there anything that you maybe wanted to touch on we haven't touched on yet as far oh. as this film goes Oh, oh, no, I spouted off earlier. Okay. <laughs> Derek, how about you being being the large fan that you are? Uh, anything that maybe we haven't touched on at all? Uh, I mean, we, we covered this pretty thoroughly, but I, I, I guess the only thing that I could ask is, do you feel that, because one thing that always bothered me, other than the fact that, you know, I would have loved to see more, as you had said, uh, more bug action in this movie, do you feel that Donald Pleasance's presence in this movie was a distraction? And would you have want? Did you want to see more of him because he was there? Ooh, good question, Don. I thought that the Scottish accent was a was a distraction that was completely unnecessary. Um, I wouldn't have minded to see more, but I don't know only because he's uh, a really good charismatic actor, but I don't think you would have actually, I don't think any more of that character would have added more to the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree. Uh, as far as a distraction. Yeah. The accent, he threw that out there. I'm like, what do you mean trying to be Sean Connery now? 
<laughs> um, cause he was sounding a bit like Connery and I'm like, why, why do you have to be Scott? <laughs> here. You know, that's one of those, you know, it was just like Nicholas Cage and Con Air. Why does he have a Southern accent? He doesn't need a Southern. He doesn't need an accent. You're, yep. you're, you're fine. How you are? Why? Why do you need? Why can't you be an American professor or whatever or British? You know, but Scottish? Why? So that was a little distraction. And yeah, I I did kind of I was curious more about his character. Um, as far as wanting to see more, I think it would have taken away from a film that, as you mentioned, Derek, uh, in the beginning, at least the first like two acts of this film kind of jumps around and, and it's kind of disjointed in a way and, and not necessarily, you know, the most cohesive. So I think adding more of him might've taken away from that at the same time, the way he's off makes you wonder what the real value of his character is at all. In this. Yeah. I, I agree with you totally on that. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, that's the one thing is they kind of play it up as he befriends her, but she's not hanging out with him that much, but then he just gets unceremoniously like stabbed once. I'm like, not even like multiple stab wounds or he falls off the wheelchair and down the stairs or something. He just gets poked. Yeah, and total the stunt casting is, is what it feels like. I mean, this was the time where Donald Pleasance was basically like George Kennedy in the 70s, where he's in every single low-budget horror movie you can possibly think of. I mean, he shows up in Paganini Horror for Christ's sake. <laughs> this guy's in everything at that time. So it just his role, I wanted to see more of him. Even yeah. though I agree with you too, I think, you know, it would have already it would have drug out this already completely convoluted cockamamie plot in the first two acts of this movie out even more. But because he's there, it's like Donald Pleasance, I want to see more Donald Pleasance. <laughs> You know, as as I as listening to you guys talk, I think the only way it would have worked to have him in more is had they uh, used that character to bring in more of the bug stuff, mm -hmm. not just bugs in cages doing weird things, but actually more hands-on bug stuff. That could have worked. What if Maybe he? What if he had survived? this movie like he didn't really die there like they took him to the hospital and he survived and then he's like alfred to jennifer conley and they go on the road start like as heroes using bugs as their gimmick sure i do it i'd watch that movie he's he's like the yoda to her luke as far yeah. as you use the bugs jennifer you know well i'm glad you went there because all i've got is tech <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah uh it's definitely a unique one uh we'll wrap it up tonight with just your final recommendation who would you recommend this film to derek go ahead first who would you recommend uh taking everything into account tonight what we talked about who would you recommend this to what type of film viewer out there uh, this is definitely not a traditional horror film. This is not a horror film most horror fans, I think, will get. Um, even me, I've seen everything Argento has put out there, and there's some real weird ones. This ranks up in the top three of the weirdest things that he ever made. Um, so 
I think most people will probably really flee from this movie <laughs> because it is just so strange and it's nearly two hours long. That's yeah. a huge detriment to this movie is the length. And I, I'm really curious. I've never seen creepers. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious what the American cut is like to this movie. And if it helps, because sometimes some of these movies like, um, dawn of the dead when argento did the um the zombie cut of it i think actually worked really well mm -hmm. i like that cut of that movie i would love to see what the creepers cut is like which cuts this down to i believe a brief 90 minutes yeah 82 minutes i believe i read actually is the u.s perfect i gotta cut. find creepers maybe <laughs> I that's have it on vhs oh i love it <laughs> i love that but uh i over time as I said uh, in the beginning of the episode, I don't think the movie's aging particularly well, but as we talked about it in watching it last night, that final act is so strong and so bizarre and so over the top that I end up walking away enjoying the movie. I mean, it is not the greatest movie ever made, but it's pretty weird. So I would recommend this to people that like weird horror movies, like really out there weird horror movies and in like movies that don't have to make sense. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well said, Don. I would recommend Creepers to just about anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but this cut, yeah, you need somebody who likes the weird. You need somebody who's wants to be challenged and is willing to suspend their disbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody who really wants to try to find meaning and symbols and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They would love to delve into something like this. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Yeah, this is definitely not for your average just basic horror film fan. This is something if you're looking for out there something, something not normally formulated. Yeah, it's... It is one of those watches where you watch it and at the end of it, you're going to be like Derek to where that third act just sticks with you and you want to watch it again. Or you're going to be like, well, there's two hours of my life. I'm not getting back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was half expecting you to go that direction, Mark. Oh, no, I dug this. I dug this film, you know, from the opening kill. I'm like, OK, this is what we're in for. And then Jennifer Conley's talking to the bee and I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm in. You know, she's petting the bee, and I'm just like, ah, all right, here we go. And then the monk, the, the chimpanzee shows up, and that was, you know, all right. <laughs> now, now I'm like, I did not see that coming, and now I just, I have to know more. Why the chimp and the bugs? And yeah, uh, I dug it. No, I, I, this is one I, I'm going to probably revisit. I want to watch Creepers now because I'm curious on how they cut it. Uh, Don, with you having watched it, uh, is it that they just stick more with her character or and, and kind of cut out a little bit more weirder stuff? Or I, It's been a long time since I've mm -hmm. seen Creepers. Um, that's the version I have, but I haven't seen it for a long time, uh, several I, years. 
Because I'm wondering if there's a chimpanzee cut where we just follow the chimpanzee the whole movie. I want to know more about shines. <laughs> that. That's what monkey shines is. Monkey shines is to fill in the gaps of phenomena. Because I'm like, where's the monkey go after he dies? How did he get to the park? Okay, he got the razor blade. How did he track down the killer? These are all questions that need to be answered. We need a monkey cut of phenomena. <laughs> Or an ape cut. I keep calling monkey, monkey, ape, chimpanzee. I, yeah, it, whatever. It's it's an unusual film, and there you have it, folks. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed our discussion tonight, and maybe we helped make a little more sense of it, or we've just confused you more. In either case, hope you've enjoyed this discussion. And now this is where my crew give you a we give them a license to chill, and so chill away, Mr. Derek Carey. Hi, folks. As uh, Mark had said at the beginning of the podcast, I run a podcast called Astro Radio Z, which is about horror, exploitation, and cult cinema uh, with a bunch of friends that also kind of do their own. It's like a podcast with a bunch of little podcasts inside of it. So if you don't want to just hear me sit and ramble on about movies like you did tonight, you can listen to my bud Corey talk about heavy metal or my bud Dustin talk about wrestling. Or my other bud, Eric, talk about shot on video action films from the 80s. Uh, it's a fun little show. Uh, you can check it out at uh, on iTunes and all sorts of other places. I also do a podcast called The Podcast at Orgy Castle with my friend Paula, which is entirely about smut films. It's a short podcast. We only do half hour long ep episodes. Uh, and you can find that everywhere as well. And, of course, because I don't do enough podcasting, I do one more called All the Gimmicks with my bud Seth Paulin in uh, Baltimore, and uh, that's just us bullshitting and being angry old men. So if you want to listen to angry old white guys, which is something everyone loves nowadays, go check out All the Gimmicks. <laughs> nice. And, Don, you do have stuff out there. Where can they find your stuff? On occasion, you can find me at intheaudience.net. Some great written reviews of some films you probably never heard of, but should have, and probably some films that you wish you hadn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the truth. <laughs> so, thank you very much. And now I think we'll just say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Wait, what, what's that chimpanzee doing in my studio? No, get away. Get away. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. There's no chimpanzee here. I want one now. I want a chimp. I have a chimp. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.